Hi, and welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast. My name is Isabel Ross, and I'm the coach at Peak Endurance Coaching. Episode 74 is an interview with John Kelly. John made trail running history on April 3rd, 2017, by becoming the 15th person to ever complete the Barkley Marathons. The Barkley Marathons in Frozen Head State Park, Tennessee, is known to be the toughest endurance challenge with over 160 kilometres of tough terrain, sheer drops, and thick forest, if you finish it, of course. Uh, John grew up exploring the dense mountains and forests around his family's rural home in Morgan County, Tennessee, constantly trying to keep up with his older brother and cousins. John ran during high school where he describes himself as a good but not great runner. During college and grad school, he took a full decade off from the sport. After grad school, he rediscovered his love of the mountains, hiking the John Muir Trail with his wife, Jessie. John ended up running the 2013 Marine Corps Marathon, calling it an absolute disaster. He decided he could do better, so he got himself a Boston qualifier. As it was some time before he could actually run Boston, he decided to give ultras a go and then also tried triathlons because he loved cycling too. It was this background in a variety of disciplines that led to John creating the Grand Round, which involved running the three most difficult rounds in the UK, the Bob Graham, Paddy Buckley and Charlie Ramsey, and cycling between them. Can I ask you a favour? Would you be able to go on over to Apple Podcasts to rate, review and subscribe? Doing this helps the podcast grow, which is greatly appreciated. Jen, 1977, gave five stars and said, I love listening to Isabel whilst out running my local trails. Her podcasts have taught me so much. Keep up the great work, chick. Thanks so much, Jen. That is really lovely. How is your running going? If you are plagued by niggles and injuries, head to the specialists at Health and High Performance so they can utilise the latest in technology and experience to help you run your best and achieve your potential. And you can only do that if your body is in top form. So head to healthhp.com.au forward slash run or find them on Instagram, Health High Performance. I don't know about you, but I am really looking forward to getting back to racing. To be ready for when this happens and it will, (laughs) fingers crossed, you need to be working on getting stronger, fitter and faster now. You can do this with a structured and well-planned training program with Peak Endurance Coaching. Email me, isabel at peakendurancecoaching.com.au and let's get your training moving in the right direction. Enjoy the interview with John. Hi, John, and welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast. Hey there, thanks for having me. Firstly, congratulations on the birth of your daughter. Thanks very much. She's <laughs> a, a week old today. Wow. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so it was a pretty exciting birth, I believe, fairly quick. She arrived quite quickly into this world. Yeah, uh, a very different experience from our, our others. Uh, the, the first was uh, much longer, I guess, as first ones usually are and then the second and third were twins Uh, so it was uh, just kind of 27 minutes from the first contraction to uh, she was out and in our arms that's awesome all righty well can you um, tell the listeners a bit about yourself your running background and how you actually got into running Uh, sure so I kind of grew up chasing my my brother and my older cousins around and uh, ran track and cross country and, and whatnot in, in high school, but then uh, really took uh, about 10 years, a full decade off uh, while I was in college and, and grad school. Uh, as I was finishing up grad school, I kind of said to myself, well, I've, I've always wanted to, 
to see how I could do in a marathon. I, I guess uh, it's kind of now or never. I, I should sign up for one and, and give it a go. And so that was in 2013. Uh, and things have just kind of gradually progressed and, and snowballed from there. So really, so 2013, so that's progressed quite quickly, really. Yeah, and, and I kind of, you know, my, my initial goal was to see if I could qualify for the Boston Marathon. Uh, and I had always done a lot of hiking and, and backpacking, and so I enjoyed yeah. the mountains and the trails. Uh, and, and really kind of uh, when I found out about ultra running and, and trail running and these crazy things that, that people were going out and doing, it was kind of my, my two worlds uh, converging there. Yeah, no, definitely. And did you qualify for Boston? I did um, on, on my third attempt. So it, <laughs> well I, done. I had some, some nice uh, steady improvement o over those first races. And what was your fastest marathon? Uh, last year, I ran New York uh, in 235. Nice. Uh, so I'm, I'm still... Uh, I'd still like uh, at some point if I can find a nice chunk of time to actually devote a few months to a proper marathon mm -hmm. training block and see what I can do. I'd like to at least get below 230, um, but we'll we'll see if I'm able to do that. There's uh, so many things to do and, and so little time to do them in. I know. It feels like that, doesn't it? <laughs> um, so on August 21, you completed the Grand Round, which is a challenge you create, created, am I correct in understanding that? Yeah, uh, so it, it combines the UK's big three classic fell running rounds, uh, which, you know, individually, they're uh, very well known and uh, challenges that uh, many people ha have done over the years. Uh, one person before, Mike Hartley, had linked them all um, driving between. And before I even knew uh, about that effort, I, I kind of put this idea into my head of, of combining my, my love of uh, cycling with uh, mountain running and, and put this together. So, so what exactly, for some of my listeners here in Australia who may not know, what is a round? Uh, so it is a, a, unlike kind of tr trail running, there, there's no specific marked uh, route. It's uh, essentially uh, peak bagging. Uh, so yeah. it, it's, it's a route that you start and finish in the same place and you have to hit uh, a set list of summits uh, along the way. And so uh, some of these have been established for, for quite a while now and the, the general goal on these is to do them uh, individually in, in under 24 hours. So it was the Bob Graham, Paddy Buckley, and Charlie Ramsey rounds. Is that correct? Yes. And um, and you cycle between them. What's your cycling background then? Uh, I uh, about the same time that I, I got into ultra running, I also decided I'd I'd give triathlon a try. I, I lived in near Washington DC at the time and summers were quite hot and humid and miserable for running, <laughs> but um, I had lovely areas to, to bike uh, in where I lived. So uh, I, I did triathlon for a few years, uh, went to Tacona twice and, oh, wow. and kind awesome. of right at the end, um, 
when I knew I was going to switch full time to ultra running, I, I decided to, to take my pro card for one race. And so I was a, a professional triathlete for, for all of one race um, <laughs> and, and then switched over to, to ultra running. Oh, we're, we're glad you did. <laughs> um, so this was your um, second attempt at, the, at this particular grand rhyme that you had created with the cycling in between. Um, the first time was in May 2019. So what was the difference between these two attempts that you were able to complete at this time? Um, so it, I learned a lot uh, from that first failure. And uh, that's kind of how a lot of my successes and a lot of my regrets. Uh, Sorry, you just dropped out a bit then. What was that? Oh, sorry. Uh, so that, that's how a, a good number of my successes and, and my progressions have happened is, is by aiming big uh, yeah. and, and failing once or twice. And so uh, from that uh, failed attempt in 2019, I, I learned a, a great deal about uh, the terrain, about the weather, uh, about the roads, about a reasonable schedule and strategy and so I took those lessons learned and, and built a better schedule a, a better strategy a better bike route yeah uh, and and came back to it uh, better prepared and, and more confident and uh, alongside that so that was in May that you attempted that and this time was August so is the weather significantly different between May and August uh, so it's you know, May traditionally uh, would be kind of one of the best times of year to to do it. Uh, I did it in late May last year, but I just, uh, I got unlucky and got yeah. just absolutely smashed by storms uh, the entire time I was out there. Uh, both rounds, uh, gale force winds and, and torrential rain and uh, the kind of thing that I, I was a bit to be honest, not naive about uh, coming from the U.S. and having uh, having not spent a lot of time in the British mountains, <laughs> uh, so those conditions uh, make make a huge difference uh, on that terrain. And yeah. so this year, uh, I was I figured it couldn't be any worse. Um, <laughs> and and the first round, it actually uh, it wasn't all that bad. Um, it was a bit wet, but most of the time it was it was okay. Uh, and then it kind of degraded from there uh, until on the last round, uh, I got hit by uh, Storm Ellen, uh, an actual nice. named windstorm uh, <laughs> came out through while I was uh, in Scotland on the Charlie Ramsey round. So it's, it's one of those things where it, it, it just, uh, the chances of getting five straight days of great weather uh, in the UK are... Um, <laughs> Same. You know, it, yeah, it's, <laughs> if, if you're waiting for that, then you, you might be uh, waiting for quite a while. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can understand that. Um, so <clears throat> what was the terrain like? Uh, so it, it's one of the things that I do enjoy here is, is with the fell running, the, it's the, the peaks or the objectives and, and get in between them. You have a lot of freedom uh, and creativity and, and what the best way of, of going about that is. Uh, so I've, I've become much more familiar uh, with bogs since I've been here. Uh, again, not something we, we have in the US uh, where you, you step in 
these what appears to be perfectly normal grass and then you sink up to your waist and can't move your legs in, in this muck. Uh, so that's that's one thing to deal with. Um, but then uh, beyond that, it varies quite a bit between kind of open fields versus extremely uh, rocky terrain. Uh, it's, you know, a few scrambles here and there. I wouldn't call most of it all that technical, but there's, there's definitely uh, some rocky sections in there. So to help with um, the route finding, I know sometimes people, when they're doing the rounds, they have um, like locals, you know, who, who know it well, helping them. Did you have anyone guiding you or pacing you at any point? Yeah, uh, and, and so that's a, a big part of kind of the, the tradition and, and mm. the culture of the rounds is, is the support uh, out there on them. And so for this, uh, definitely I, I was supported and, and had people that were uh, helping carry gear and, and helping with the navigation. Uh, there were a, a couple of short sections um, where I, I was separated from my pacers and, and was on my own. Uh, leg four of the Bob Graham round uh, in particular, I was uh, kind of out there uh, on my own. Uh, and so, uh, you know, navigation isn't, isn't horribly tough, especially with a, a GPS track. But yeah. when you're doing these things and uh, you, you're kind of cutting it close on the times than being able to, to take the best line and having local knowledge to know exactly where those best lines are. Uh, it's, it's extremely valuable. Yeah, I bet, especially when you're trying to do it fast. Um, so you were out there for quite a long time. How, how long was that in total? <clears throat> Uh, 130 hours and, and 43 minutes from start to finish. That's a long time. How did you deal with sleep deprivation? That's one thing uh, that in my schedule this year, I, I built in a lot more time uh, for sleep. Last year, I, I had a more aggressive schedule. I, I didn't get as much sleep and, and I ended up calling it really because uh, I didn't feel safe uh, by picking up narrow Scottish mountain highways uh, in, in the state that I was in. Uh, it's one thing to kind of be stumbling around the hills, uh, sleep deprived. It's another thing to be biking on a highway with trucks whizzing by mm. you at um, high speed. So uh, I, I had it scheduled to before and after each round uh, get a, a good chunk of sleep, uh, two to three hours. Uh, and then on that second bike section as well, uh, <clears throat> there, there was a there was a camper van that met me uh -huh. at a few support points, uh, and so I was able to to get some naps uh, along the way. Uh, and and in particular, uh, we found out that there was a road closure um, oh. just before I reached it, and and so the, the detour would have been. Uh, would have probably added about two hours uh, onto the bike leg. And so I decided, well, I'm just going to stop and sleep here and wait for the road to, to open back up uh, before I continue on. That's, that sounds like a smart idea. Um, so did you, so you, you spoke about, you know, it's dangerous on the road on the bike. You didn't have like a car following you, like with hazards on or something to protect you. You were out there on your own on the road. <clears throat> Uh, so I, I did most of the time uh, have one or two uh, other riders with me. 
but but yeah i was i was on my my own and and it's it's something that uh going into it i, I was kind of concerned especially about mm. uh biking at night and uh last year i placed a high priority on working my schedule to where i i didn't spend much time uh on the bike at night uh yeah but this year i i found that honestly that's that that was the best time to be out there. Uh, the the traffic was light. I I had as much illumination on me as as a car has. Pretty mm. much, I, I was uh, decked out in lights, and uh, to to that extent, I was much more visible uh, than I would be during the daytime. Yeah, no, that's fair enough, and it certainly makes sense with the less traffic. Did you have to get any kind of permission to do it, like with the cycling on the road and all that, as a group? No, no. no. Um, so that that's another thing um, that that you know last year I didn't have any familiarity with the roads and I tried yeah. to stick mainly to the back roads and it, it really slowed me down. Uh, so so this time I, I took a, a better route and the one scare we did have uh, was heading into Liverpool. Uh, you go under the the Mersey River. There yep. there's a tunnel there, uh, and it opens to cyclists at 8 p.m. Uh, I think it's from like 8 p.m. to 4 or 5 a.m. that cyclists can go through it okay. and so I stopped on the, the the western side of the tunnel to, to take a nap until 8 p.m. and we got there right at 8 p.m. <sighs> and they told us well the tunnel's closing for maintenance at 8 oh, p.m. No. To, to everything <laughs> to all traffic um, and so we we were nearly kind of foiled there, but uh, th then a, a supervisor waved us through and, and we were able to slip through there uh, before they, they shut it off. Oh, that was very lucky. So yeah. I assume you had some sort of crew to help you? Yeah, uh, definitely. And, and there's, um, you know, I spent an, an immense amount of time uh, planning and, and sorting out the logistics of this beforehand, but, but even still, uh, there's there's no way uh, that I, I could have uh, managed it without the people that were out there uh, running with me and with also without the road support, uh, especially on when it came to the final round uh, and the conditions deteriorated and my schedule slipped and, and I was in a, a pretty bad spot. Um, and, and Martin Stone was, was my road support for... Um, most most of the time um actually from that that tunnel at liverpool uh through to the end uh and and he's a a very experienced fell runner uh who did a lot of things like this himself uh decades ago and and so without him uh someone who who has the knowledge to know what's needed and to have the the network to actually put together what's needed and, and get it there. So for that final leg of Ramsey, I, I was met with with basically an all star cast of, of Scottish hill runners awesome. uh, to to get me through that safely uh, yeah. through that last leg. And so I mean that that was huge. And I don't know that there's many other people that that could have done that. And and that's so great that people came together for you and, and really wanted to help you and see you succeed. I bet that was certainly, you know, something that you really appreciated. Yeah, it's it's something that I've been quite amazed with uh, since I've come here. And mm. uh, I mean, almost uh, to the point of, of being embarrassed of, of how much uh, people have have come out and, and helped and 
Um, but it, it's just, again, kind of goes back to the tradition and, and culture here yeah. of, of people really supporting each other uh, on these challenges um, and, and wanting to see each other succeed and, and see um, e each other uh, complete the rounds and, and anything else that they, they decide they, they want to take on. Yeah. Um, and so the round consisted in total of 185 miles, which is 297 kilometres of running, 25,440 metres of elevation, um, and that was over 113 summits, is that correct? Yeah, um, and, and so I did get a, a bit of bonus distance on the round, so that, that would bump that up above the 300k ah, mark. Ah, okay, cool, cool, cool. Sorry, <laughs> I must have got that wrong. <laughs> it, well, yeah, you, I think you, you you said what the distance should be. Um, ah, but, okay. but like I said, the, yeah, a, a few yeah. few little wrong That's turns right, yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, bonus, bonus miles. Um, and then about 400 miles or 644 kilometres of, of cycling. How do you train for, for that sort of amount of effort? Um, you, you don't, <laughs> um, to, to be honest. It's, it's years of, of yeah. cumulative buildup. Uh, the 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 miles and the races and the experience that that's built uh, over that time and so it's definitely not something that, that you know there's no couch to grand round uh, program <laughs> um, but I I was coming off another hard effort a, a month that's earlier right. and mm -hmm. so I I kind of took that one month window to recover from the impact on my legs while building back up my uh, my bike fitness. And that's yeah, one thing that's that I've, idea. I've been pretty amazed with is, uh, you know, having spent those years in, in triathlon and, and competed at a high level there that I'm, I'm able to get my bike fitness back to a, a pretty good level in, in a short period of time. Uh, you know, I, I can take a week or two and, and get it back to, uh, you know, a, a spot that, took me years to get to when mm. I first started off in triathlon. I'm, I'm by no means back to like my Kona peak uh, cycling fitness, but uh, it, it just again shows how important uh, that that cumulative uh, build and, and experience is. Yeah, no, definitely. So the, the challenge you had before was completing an FKT on the Pennine Way, which itself is about 430 kilometers. And I was going to ask you what you did for recovery, but obviously the cycling. Do you find also that um, <clears throat> cycling does benefit your running? I, I think it does. Uh, it's, it's kind of, you know, everyone's an N of one in these sort, yeah. sort of things. And it's, it's tough to say uh, definitively. I, I haven't, since I gave up triathlon, I, I haven't cycled a, a ton. Um, you know, the, I've, I've had the two grand round attempts and, and that's been the majority of it. Um, but I will say that kind of as I was um, getting into to ultra running and triathlon at, at the same time, um, on those first few marathons I did, and even the first few ultras that I did, the, the first thing that always gave out on me was my quads. Mm. Um, and, and after, you know, spending a lot of time on the bike, that's that's never been an issue for me again at the ends of these sorts of things, the grand round or Penine way or Barkley or whatever. I, I'm almost always mentally shot rather than physically shot. My, my legs can keep climbing. They can keep doing wow. whatever I, I ask them to. 
Uh, it's just, you know, whether I can consciously <laughs> actually ask them to, to do something is, is the bigger question. <laughs> I was going to ask you that because you, from seeing what you've been doing, you must be incredibly mentally strong. How do you push yourself when, <clears throat> when the going gets so tough and, and, you know, the weather's bad or just some of those tough races and, and FKTs you've done, how do you keep pushing yourself? Uh, so there, there's kind of three main things uh, I rely on. Um, the first is breaking it down into to manageable chunks. Uh, so when I'm out there, people always ask me, you know, was there any point at which you thought you wouldn't finish or you, or you wouldn't do it? And to be honest, I, I'm never thinking about that when I'm out there. I'm thinking about, can I make it to the next point? Yeah. Uh, and I spend a lot of time preparing my, my schedule and, and my pacing and, and everything beforehand. So I know if I can make it to the next point and I'm on schedule, I don't have to think about whether I'm going to finish. I just have to keep making it from point to point on schedule. And if, if I do that, then, then I'm good. Um, yeah. So I, I don't let myself get overwhelmed with the thought of, of how far I have to go. Uh, the, the other bit though is choosing things that are, are personally meaningful to me um, and, and that I enjoy. And so that gives me a, a huge amount of uh, motivation w when I'm out there and, and thinking about uh, that goal and, and what's been invested in it to, to get to that goal and how relatively speaking, uh, you know, on Ramsey when I had like 24 hours to go, that might seem like forever but relative to all the time and effort and everything else that was put into it up to that point, that's, that's nothing. Like what's another 24 hours. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and then the final thing is, is really built with experience uh, of being able to remember all the times that I've been in similar situations or worse situations and uh, been able to, to pull through and, and continue on. Yeah. Yep. No, that's, that's good points. So was there, um, from this grand Ryan, was there a particular high point and low point you could share with us? Uh, the low point was, was definitely when storm Ellen hit, uh, <laughs> on the Charlie Ramsey round. So mm -hmm. I was to that point, I, I was about a third of the way through the round and I was actually ahead of my 23 hour schedule. Uh, I was, I was moving quite well. Um, and then, the storm hit and just quite quickly, uh, things were wet and windy and extremely cold. Uh, and my body just, it, it was kind of like it, it, it could fight the fatigue and the sleep deprivation um, at the same time. But then a third front opened up on the weather and, and the staying warm uh, and, and I couldn't handle it. Um, the way that my body was depleted, it just could not regulate its own temperature. And so I was kind of, I had to face the fact at that point that over a hundred hours into this thing, uh, I was not going to be able to, to finish on my goal schedule, which my goal was to do all three rounds in under 24 hours. Uh, and so I, I had to make a choice then of, uh, you know, you can either quit, you can try to keep moving, but likely um, burn out or, um, have some major issue uh, ha occur, or you can kind of, you know, 
be sure that you stay warm and keep moving forward and, and finish the thing, but just slower than you wanted. Uh, and so I, I went with that. Um, yeah. It was, uh, you know, a, a tough call to make, but but I had to make it. Uh, and and then I'd say the high point was was when I was on top of Ben Nevis, and and I I had actually finished. It was my hundred and thirteenth peak. Um, all I had left was the descent uh, back to the start point, which ended up being uh, quite long and torturous. Uh, but at be. that moment on the summit, summit, I, you know, I, I wasn't thinking about that. That was kind of when I knew that I, I had done it, that, that I would yeah. get to the finish uh, one way or another. Yeah, that would have been an awesome feeling. What did you do for nutrition during that, that round, the whole grand round? Um, so that, you know, something of, of this length, you're, you're looking at, at not only your, your normal fuel, but you, you've got full on meal replacement at, at that point. Uh, so I, I did as, as best I could with my normal fueling, uh, out on the rounds, um, my, my hammer gels and bars and, and perpetuum as kind of my foundation and throwing in, uh, whatever, uh, snack foods and other things I've, I've found that work well for me and, and trying to get a steady stream of calories down. Um, but you're never going to be able to, to replace everything that you're burning in those situations. And so uh, before and after each round, I, I made a point to, to try to get a, a full meal in. Um, fish and chips, okay. burgers, pizzas, um, pretty much anything that I could get down. Um, I'd I did, and, and then the, the bike as well. Uh, I tried to use that a bit for calorie replenishment because without the, the jostling motion yeah. of running, you can, you can eat a lot more on the bike. And so I can, I can get down 500 calories an hour there and wow. try to restore yeah. a bit of the, uh, the deficit that I built up running. Yeah, no, that sounds good. Um, how has your recovery been since, since doing it? Uh, um, I'm pretty well there. I, you know, I'm at the point now where I'd say I'm, I'm recovered, but I now have the job of building my fitness back up uh, to, a, to a good spot. Uh, I, I had uh, some pretty bad tendonitis uh, okay. that developed uh, really during the second round and, and became a major problem on the final round. Uh, and so that took a a uh, few weeks to, to fully recover from and so focused uh, again on time on the bike uh, during that stretch um, but generally for these things that the hardest is is the mental recovery and uh, the the sleep deprivation and uh, all, all sorts of uh, fun kind of issues with systemic fatigue that, that your body goes through in the first week of headaches and nausea and night sweats and all sorts of things that, um, you know, it's not sore muscles really that, that I have to worry about yeah. um, for these recoveries. So when you say with mental recovery, how do you, how do you enable that to happen? Uh, try to rest, try to focus on the sleep. Um, and, you know, it, allow myself time to, to kind of process things and um, try to ease back into a normal life. Um, 
but that's that's not always straightforward because uh, you know I've, I've got a job and a family and uh, they're still there and they were still there while I was out running and so I've, I've got to catch up on things um, yeah. but mainly I'd, I'd say the, <clears throat> the the sleep and the um, trying not to worry too much about getting back out and running or what you're eating or, or whatever yeah. just kind of let yourself um, some time to, to relax and uh, not not worry about those things and, and when you do feel ready and, and the time is right then you can slowly get back out there and uh, get back to the running and get back to uh, you know a, a bit more uh, focus. Yeah now many of my listeners will know you obviously from Barclay. How does doing Barclay compare to doing the Grand Round? Uh, well it's it's kind of I was actually thinking about this this morning that at this point um, uh, I look at Barclay and I say uh, just 60 hours because <laughs> uh, I've done now in the past year um, grand round 130 hours um, Penine way 64 hours and then spine and tortoise yacht were each you know roughly 90 hours um, but Barclay uh, has, has a whole lot of other, uh, difficulties than, than just the time that you're out there. And so, uh, it, it's, it's a very tight cutoff, uh, Barkley is. Mm. And so there, there's a lot more pressure, um, a, a lot more kind of situations where you might find yourself in a bit of a panic, uh, particularly because it, it is, it's, it's unmarked and deep forest where everything looks the same. You, you can't see very far. And, and so it's easy to get off track. It's easy to get lost. There's no one there to help you with that. You're on your own most of the time. Um, and, and so it's, there's a lot more variables, a lot more things that can go wrong. Uh, whereas this uh, is is more about just kind of continuing on and, and focusing, uh, especially with all the support that I had, I, I'm able to focus on just keep moving, keep taking care of myself and, and keep moving. Uh, and, and so I would say that it's not quite as um, stressful as, as Barclay is. And, uh, it, you know, uh, overall, uh, you know, with no time limit, I would say not as, diff as difficult as, as Barclay is, but, you know, definitely if, if you pretty much anything, if you put a hard enough time cut off on it, it's, it's going to reach that same level of difficulty. Yeah, yeah, no, of course. So, so what does it take to be a winner of Barclay? Uh, it, you know, it, it's easy to say to focus on one thing um, and, and to get strong on, on one thing, but really, I'd, I'd say to be sure that you're not weak on on anything. That's that's the deal with Barclay. That that again, there, there's so many variables, yeah. uh, so many places where it can find your weakness, and something can go wrong, and and that's it. You're done. Yeah. Uh, if you make a mistake on navigation, you're done. If you're not fast enough no chance. If you can't manage your sleep and your food, tough luck. Yeah. Uh, and, and then you've also got to deal with the, the 
unpredictable obstacles like the start time of the race and the uh, the weather, which can swing from freezing to 30 Celsius in, <laughs> in 12 hours. Um, and and so I, I'd say that the biggest thing of Barkley is, is to not be comfortable with doing things where you might fail and where there's going to be a lot of uh, unplanned uh, obstacles uh, along the way. But, but to really, uh, as far as your skills go, make sure that they are very well-rounded. Yeah, so, and in regards to the sleep, how do you prepare to be awake for multiple days with a little no sleep, but still having to concentrate on things like navigation? Do you, um, do you do any kind of sleep deprivation training? Is there any point? Uh, not, not by choice, um, <laughs> but with, with four kids and a, a job at a startup, it, it happens. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think there's a way to really uh, train for sleep deprivation. You can learn how your body uh, responds to it and, and mm. how to better manage that. Uh, for me, you know, everyone's a bit different on that. It's sa same as nutrition. Uh, there's so many stories about people having crazy hallucinations and everything. And I've never had a hallucination. Uh, mm -hmm. I just, I get to the point where I, I, it's, it's kind of like exercise-induced narcolepsy. I, I could just fall asleep uh, as, as I'm going along the trail. <laughs> uh, and so I've, I've learned how to to manage that a bit, what sleep strategy works best for me in terms of how often and how long I sleep, which again, I, I think that's a, a bit different for everyone. Uh, and a, another very important skill is being able to uh, fall asleep at, at the, the drop of a hat. Uh, yeah. You know, if, if you're trying to optimize things and, and you need to get some sleep, and you're looking to get a 30 minute nap, but it takes you 20 minutes to fall asleep, that's, it's pretty inefficient. Um, very, so very you, much you might so. need to, yeah, you might need to rethink your sleep strategy if that's your case and, and maybe go for, for longer, uh, less frequent sleeps. Um, but so on the times you've won Barkley, have you slept? Uh, so the, the, the year I finished, uh, I slept about 30 minutes after loop two, yeah, uh, and then I had two uh, dirt naps on my final loop. Uh, I slept <laughs> for about 15 minutes twice, yeah, um, where I put myself in a spot where I, I knew I, I would get rather uncomfortable and miserable uh, after a little while, and and then that would wake me up and, and get me moving again. But the other thing I've, I've found with with these events and with Barkley in particular is having something like the navigation to focus on and to think about and to, to really engage your mind uh, can actually be a, a big help uh, on the sweep. Uh, on that last loop on Barkley, the, the places where I felt the most um, exhausted and the most like I could just, you know, pass out on the side of the the trail were the few times that I was on an actual trail and I didn't have to mm. think about where I was going. Oh, that's interesting. I would have thought, um, yeah, the concentrating would make it the other way, but yeah, that's fair enough. Yep. Well, it, it definitely, it, it makes the navigation harder, but mm. the navigation makes the sweep deprivation easier. That's a, <laughs> a bit of a, it's a symbiotic a relationship. Yeah. yeah. And um, so what is your next challenge or event for you? 
I've, I've got a few things that I'm, I'm thinking about uh, over the next year. As I, I mentioned earlier, there's uh, a lot of things and, and not enough time. Mm. Um, and, and it's especially difficult with uh, the, the COVID situation mm. constantly changing and not knowing what will get canceled and, and what yeah, I'll be able right. to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, I've, I've got a few challenges uh, here in, in the UK that I'm, I'm thinking of that wouldn't be dependent on COVID cancellations, maybe doing the rounds in, in winter, um, maybe going back out on the Penine Way to, to try to, to get the record back. And, yeah. and then there are, uh, you know, the, the double rounds, the Wainwrights, um, and, and then uh, some, some races I do want to get back to as well, like, like Tour de Chillon, I'd uh, definitely feel like I have unfinished business there. And as I, I mentioned earlier, I, I tend to uh, not necessarily do my best on the first attempt at something. And, yeah. and so I hope I can take my lessons learned and uh, get a better result there. What did you feel you left out on the course there? How did you feel you didn't really achieve what you wanted? Uh, at, at Tour de Gion, I, I really had issues with, with sleep. Uh, in the latter half of the race. So uh, I was I was moving well um, and, and moved up, uh, I believe as high as fourth. Um, and, and then just, I, I let my sleep debt get too big. Uh, I didn't take care of it early. Yeah. And once I was in that big of a hole, I, I found myself just kind of a, a, a number of dirt naps and, and slowly started slipping back and, and once I started slipping back to where I felt the podium was no longer possible it was one of those moments where mentally you just kind of give up and you say well is it worth it now to, to put yeah. myself through this and so I every single um, aid aid station I came to I, I basically ended up sleeping and I just I, kept napping my way all the back way back down to uh just uh, i think 16th is where i ended up mm. yep so that would be a, a good one to do again and and do you think you'll be will you be aiming to get to barclay next year if you can um yeah so i, I mean i've been kind of coy about that one in the past but i, I think that at this point it's you know i'm, I'm not fooling anyone saying I, i'm I'm not going to. So it, it is something I, I plan on doing. And, and that'll, of course, depend on COVID and depend on uh, my own ability to, to travel there. Um, to, you know, with it no longer being right down the road from me, I'll, I'll have to travel there from the UK and uh, have four kids. So it makes it uh, slightly more difficult than the uh, family visit to my parents who are right across the street from the Barclay course. Yeah. Uh, that, but it's a great excuse for a family visit. It is, it is. But but the the issue now is my my oldest is uh, old enough to to be in school, and so it needs to align with a, a school break if if he's going to to go for that long um, of a period. Travel's a great education. That's true. <laughs> I, I used to be a teacher, so I can say that with some experience. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, well, hopefully you will get to get there um, and COVID won't, won't stop it again um, because we'd all love to see how you, how you can go. Um, but uh, congratulations on the, on the grand round and, and thank you so much for chatting with me. Yeah, thank you very much. I enjoyed it. 
All right. Thanks for that. See ya. I really enjoyed interviewing John. I find it interesting that he believes you can't train for sleep deprivation. I would agree with that as is just so hard to recover from when you do try to. It's also interesting that he suffers out there like everyone else. He's just able to deal with it so well. Have a great week of training. Stay safe, stay fit, look after your loved ones and remember this too shall eventually pass.